This is Sexy Funny Raw, where we chat all about the world of sex, from dating and relationships all the way to the adult industry itself. I'm Sylvia Sage, and this is my Pornspective, answering all the questions you weren't even brave enough to ask Google. Get ready, because Sexy Funny Raw starts now. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Funny Raw. I am your host, Sylvia Sage. Joined in studio with me, as always, is my co-host, Dr. Eddie, giving us his public health perspective. Thank you, Dr. Eddie. <laughs> and in studio, we are, of course, joined by a friend, writer, and comedian, Christy McHugh. Hello, Christy. Thank you for coming back for another show. They love you. They love you here. That's exactly what it is. And they're done. No more. That's it. Just kidding. All right, guys. We have a very interesting show this week so we are discussing sex of course but how different sexes maybe view sex and maybe their relationship with sex and how it may differ from gender to gender yeah yeah so what do you guys really think are men from mars and women from venus there was a huge book written. When it was it written? 1992. 1992. Think, yeah. Okay. That was the big thing, of course, that men have, you know, this one view of sexuality where it's as many partners as they can have and that women are the less sexual of the two and really just looking for that one stable partner to, you know, bring them into the future, to father their children, you know, to be the one provider. But that's not necessarily the case right dr eddie i I definitely don't think it's the case and of course that's not my area right uh, because most of the men or most of the people that have written these books are psychologists or social psychologists um from a public health kind of point of view Mm -hmm. i would probably say absolutely not because there's so much variety uh and it's about having the opportunity to explore that variety yeah right and so up until at least relatively recently, there hasn't been an equal opportunity, right? Because men are often encouraged, uh, or at least they used to be encouraged, to explore and have, you know... As many sexual conquests as possible. But the opposite would be the case for women. Of course. Not to even mention trans, because that wasn't even in the conversation until recently either. So all of those things kind of combined have changed drastically, I'd say, recently. Well... I mean, not that drastically. We were talking about Christy on the last episode, and you were talking about how you didn't have sex until you were 23 because the women had made, you saw some women that were promiscuous who didn't get good attention from men, and then you saw women who were holding out who were the, you know, the treasure to be had. And so you felt you had to hold out to become that treasure. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it was very much strong. And, but it was such a conservative, super conservative um, upbringing. Yeah. And f- we're, I mean, town of 400. And, you know, it was just like everybody knew everybody's business. And that was definitely one thing. You did not want to have that reputation. Yeah. And it was so, like, like really, uh, in retrospect, like how damaging that was. Yes. Just for, like, not even able to talk about these things. Or, or dam- even health-wise, like, not having the knowledge or being mm-hmm. scared to ask, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, and I think that that, I mean, is that true? Men's brains are actually completely different from a woman's brain. 
there, it's really not that different. Really? Uh, at least a lot of the research that I was able to look through and find uh, in preparation for this was that the more they investigate, if the variables are right, and I'll explain that in a sec, mm -hmm. um, there's a lot less diversity between the sexes than we thought. Mm -hmm. um, and those variables tend to be uh, if we're asking women in a specific environment, in a specific time, who's asking the questions, what right. kinds of questions we're asking, does the, does the person being asked these questions feel that they can be honest or not, right? Uh, in a lot of cases, they can't. And mm -hmm. so then it's what the social expectation is, and that's how we answer typical questions when we do surveys and when people stop us on the street. And a lot of the research comes from those kinds of questions. Take, for example, the question of, your body count, how many partners have you had? That seems to be a significant question. I feel like a lot for younger people, I feel like usually the older you get, the less and less you care about that. But don't you ever feel like um, when a man says his number, it's like, oh man, yeah, you've slept with you know 100 chicks, like that's awesome. But if a woman were to say I've had 100 partners, then she would be ruined. You 100%. know, she would be a high mileage whore. You know, like I get that a lot on my pages from somebody calling me high mileage. And I'm like, OK, but you realize I'm not a car. It's a Volvo, not a Volvo. You know, <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. a, nice. you're talking different things here. But it's definitely like a huge double standard. But you were like holding on to that double standard for mm -hmm. so long. That's crazy to me. Do you feel like now that you've gotten older, though, you're a little I don't want to say loose with your sexuality, but I guess that's the word that's coming to mind. Open with your sexuality? Yeah, but not nearly as much as, like, I mean, I applaud how open you are. Like, yeah. I, I mean, it's still, like, I go back there and I'm like, oh, God. Like, I see my nieces and nephews and I'm like, oh, dear God. Like, they can't, you know, it's just, you can't talk about this stuff. And it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Do you feel like with partners, though, you're able to open up and explore? Or do you still feel very scared in the bedroom? Uh, much, way much less now, yeah. but still, still like it's, uh, I feel awkward talking about things, you know? And I had someone said, well, if you're doing it, you should be able to talk, talk about, about it. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That sounds like a very mom kind of comment. If you're actually. doing it, you should be able to talk about Definitely. it. Definitely. Yeah. It's probably something my mother has said to me at oh, some really? point or another. But you should. I mean, absolutely. Sure. But there's, there's so much that goes into how we feel in our views on sex, mm -hmm. right? And so it's all of these little pieces that we gather as we're young and like, oh, but masturbation is bad if you're a little right. boy, right? Don't do that. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden that's like one little thing that we now mm -hmm. have and that we carry around. Yeah. And then don't do this, that's bad. You can't be naked, put your clothes on. Right. Mm -hmm. Nudity is bad. Uh, the penis is bad, you don't touch it, mm -hmm. right? For little boys, I'm sure it's very different for little girls, but maybe not that different either, right? Yeah. And so all of these little things, from what I understand, we carry and we keep them. Yeah. And then they become our views on sex, mm -hmm. whether they're intentional or not. And yeah. so that intentional or not is the challenge. And I think working through some of that stuff. Some people have therapists, some people have friends that they talk about it, some people watch podcasts, Yeah. right? And so wherever we're kind of confronting some of that stuff, it's so important that we do because times are different now. Yeah. And if you want to touch yourself, do it. Just don't do it in public probably and definitely not around <laughs> children, right? There, there's yeah. still some rules. Um, but masturbation isn't bad. Right. Uh, nudity isn't Fantastic, bad. Actually. Nudity doesn't actually always mean sex, which right. is also an obsession yes. in a lot of the circles. You were saying that like your family was very open to sexuality growing up, and so was mine. My, 
my mother was always naked around us, like always. I watched my mother shower. She would put lotion on from head to toe every day. She would get ready completely naked. The last thing she would do would get was get dressed. I'm the same way. The last thing I do is get dressed. And I'm comfortable being naked around anyone. But that's because it's what I grew up with. Definitely. I also remember sitting at the dinner table and my parents and grandparents would be telling jokes that were sexual in nature. And me, the kid being like, that seems like I shouldn't hear this you know and like, like <laughs> excusing myself but they didn't think that they were just sure. like yeah we just have these conversations in front of the children because that's what we do and that's how my family still is with the kids today and I don't know I feel like it's definitely beneficial because it doesn't make it so taboo and so weird you know yeah I'm able to have conversations with my parents that I think a lot of people would go ah, ah you definitely. Know? <laughs> so, but you know different different ways we grow up and I think the religious aspect definitely has a lot to do with that but I recently dated somebody and this is why I find this this episode so interesting is because it really is a view of sex is wildly different because to me I've because I work in sex, sex isn't such a big deal to me. It's more like a, a fun activity we can do together. It's like hiking, you know? For me, it's a, like a lot less stress for a lot of people. But the guy I was dating at the time, because I love to pry. I love to ask questions. I'm an oversharer, so I love when people overshare with me. So I'm always like, what's your, you know, what's your mom's life history like? And, you know, how's your relationship with your mom? I like to ask a lot of questions. And he didn't want to ask. He didn't want to be answering a lot of questions. He said to me, our relationship will deepen through sex. And I found that very interesting because that to me was never a place where you deepen a relationship. (laughs) If anything, to me, sexuality was always something you like explored and we just get like freakier and freakier as you go. So it's never like a bond. It's like a, well, I guess it is a bond, but it's like a- I think it's 100% a bond. Well, it's, yeah, but see, I just don't have the same- What chemically happens, from what I understand to women especially, when you have that, it's it bonds you like. And I can see like a love, love because like I've had fallen in love sex. I've had like I love this person yeah. endlessly, and I've mm-hmm. cried during sex with the person I love. And so that to me, yes. But I think this person was like, we don't really need to talk. We just need to have more sex. And I was like, but it was interesting about that is when I like brought out the big guns because I was like, oh, sex is how he wants to communicate. Like, let me break this down. And I like brought out you know all my tips and tricks and I tied the guy up and then he broke up with me that weekend after I pulled out all the tricks and he was like yeah this isn't this isn't for me Sylvia <laughs> that that whole story sounds like it was mostly his stuff yeah. not your oh, stuff yeah. Yeah, true. Right? Probably. and that's usually yeah that's usually how this stuff goes yeah uh, I was also taught that girls want sex for love and guys want love for sex yeah I, I feel that, though. Not all. I don't want to, sure. like, pigeonhole right. every gen- man and say yeah. that. But I definitely think that. Because, I mean, I think for a woman who, you know, my sexuality is very fluid and very open. Like, I am able to have sex with somebody just for the hell of it and just for the fun of it. Sure. But I also do love a deep connection. Like, I have been in love. I had had I have had that. And it does bring you closer. But... I don't know. I just. But those aren't the only options, right? Yeah. We don't have to only think in like these, this or that kind of right. options. And we're all way more complex than that. Right. And we could want love, sex, 
Saturday and you could want it up against the wall or the alley on Sunday. And I don't think there's anything wrong with all of those things as long as there's consent and everybody's having fun and everybody's talking about those things. I think it becomes a problem when we really try and put people in these little boxes and Mm -hmm. these little categories, which is definitely what we've done historically, right? Women go here, men go here, trans wasn't even a conversation and that's where we're at. Right. That's what I liked when I saw, where is it at? I'm going to have to step through these notes. But you had said something about, like, um, we get this from Darwin's yeah. uh, theory, which was done. In the Victorian era. In the Victorian yeah. era, in the 1800s, you know? Right. And, and that's what we think of, like, you know, women being the less sexual of the two. Well, I'm sure she had, like, ten corsets on. You know, how is she going to get through all that? Showering wasn't a top priority. Like, I can't imagine feeling sexy all the time. Like, I just... For me, I wonder when smells came into sexuality. Do you know what I'm saying? Because for so long, bathing wasn't a thing. Oh, yes. And can you imagine what sex would smell like? Very different. (laughs) I always think that. But if if you start to associate specific body odors and stuff with sex, then they could be sexy. True, true. Right? We live in a very, like, not, well, puritanical, yes, but also, like, clean, obsessed Right. Yeah. And so there's positives and negatives to that, of course. Yeah. Um, but if that wasn't the norm, people were still having sex and yeah. enjoying it yeah, I'm sure. and all of those things, too. Yeah. But to to your note on Darwin. Absolutely. Because we like to think that, you know, a lot of research is done from an unbiased perspective. Yeah. A lot of mm. times the perspective comes into the kinds of questions we're even asking, mm-hmm. right? And so then the answers are based on the types of questions we're even asking, right. which are based on some like of those biased perspectives in science, mm-hmm. right? And so we try and avoid that. There's a million things that we do to get as far away from that as possible, mm-hmm. but it still happens all of the time. And we also have like a dependence on statistics and math and those kinds. And so, but no one ever asks, let me see the questions that you asked to get those statistics mm-hmm. because a good chunk of them are incredibly biased. So 27% of people don't enjoy sex. What are you even asking and who are you asking? Right. Right. But we don't think that way when it comes in terms of science and research. Um, And I don't want to- And how honest anyone's going to be when answering those questions also. 100%. Right. (laughs) For sure. Because you have to be in a safe space, but also there's a lot of stigma if a woman is answering a question Mm -hmm. that you can ask a college age woman and a college age man in the forum in the middle of the college, mm-hmm. and I'm on a campus a lot of the time, you know, the response is going to be very different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're not allowed to ask your students questions. So you, you shouldn't really do research with your students because mm-hmm. there's a power dynamic. Um, but uh, depending on who's asking the question, right. is it a woman asking a woman a question? And who's in the room that may hear the knowledge? Of course, and... all of that could be super problematic. Are you filming this? Yeah. Oh my goodness, in this day and age, that's problematic or and is the person a religious person where they feel like you know even admitting that you would get horny would be a shameful thing Mm -hmm. you know so if someone's asking you that question like how often do you crave sex you're like oh well i would never (laughs) (laughs) how could you ask me that that's the most personal thing to me (laughs) i talk about sex Every day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Meanwhile, I could be walking to the living room and like, oh, hold up. I need to masturbate right. real quick. Well, hold on. <laughs> things have taken a turn. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I do text you random things. Yeah. I was like, oh, I was reading this. Here, we should talk about it at some yeah. point. Right. Yeah. Random. Totally random. Yeah. <laughs> While you're masturbating. Now I know when you're sending me texts. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> no. Most of them are STI focused. Oh, true. No, that's not true. True, true, true. Uh, 
another thing that I found was interesting is that the studies show that men are more looking for a woman's uh, attractive qualities. They're looking for visual stimulation as opposed to women are more looking for a safety net. Which not always true, especially now. I feel I like women so. aren't looking for a safety net any longer. Certainly, I'd probably say that historically, historically, that's probably the the way that it was going. But so much has been changing for men and women, and and, and trans and everything in between, mm -hmm. and the relationships between people. Like the expectations for men are quite different, and we've discussed masculinity before. Um, but also, the expectations for women are also pretty different now too. We like mm -hmm. to really focus on women are not making as much as men, but women are following university, like getting college degrees at a significantly yeah. higher rate. They're entering the workforce and doing different kinds of things that they had never done before, right? And so women in, in some really important ways, I think, are leaving men behind in some yeah, cases, because men think. are in a lot of, for especially young guys, a lot of the research has been showing that they're opting out of mm -hmm. just going to college because what's the point and and all of those things and we can certainly talk about the debt and all of those other problems that right. go with those kinds of systems but at the heart of it women are surpassing in men. a lot of ways yeah. and it creates a, a a strange change in relationship because historically it was about providing it was about being you know and now a woman can do that for herself of course she can yeah and she, probably better she can provide for herself she can have a baby by herself she can provide herself with orgasms so men are kind of obsolete in the fact that we still want them around i don't need a man for anything but i would like to have a man who would treat me well you know like mm. i would like to have that plus one in my life i could go travel the world with and do nice things but i certainly don't need you you know so right. well i mean we're coming from a history where people needed each other right. to survive, to become like groups of people, to then raise children. Yes. Like all of those things are how we've evolved evo like biologically. Mm -hmm. However, that's not the cultural system that we live in in most places around the world now. Yeah. Right. So those things aren't the same across the board. And of course, we're like slightly privileged coming from a U.S. perspective, mm -hmm. even though it's not so great here. But, uh, you know that tints our lens mm. when we're talking about some of those things but in the US for sure women don't but should we need each other instead of want each other that's a whole different question no maybe. I think we should not be needing anyone I do love that we are independent to the fact that we don't need a man for a house or a credit card some or women, things of that right because even True. even within the US we should certainly point out that it's not equal across the board and right. we here in LA we're privilege but even in LA there's people that need mm -hmm. right and so it's not only about wants and so right. there's all of these like nuanced layers even in the cities that we're in not to mention the states and the challenges that are coming up state to state now mm -hmm. um, because of conservative views perhaps mm -hmm. or old-time views or men not wanting to change right that the system yeah right and so it's really important, I think, to have these conversations. No, absolutely. But you don't think there's a need? You don't have a need for a companion? Like somebody to just be sharing? Mm -mm. You have no need for that? Mm -mm. Wow. No. Honestly, too, though, I always say I watch two very different women in my life. I watch my mother, who I felt was always searching for a husband, mm -hmm. and then my my two aunts who never married and I watched my aunt who was just traveling the world driving Porsches and like had amazing jobs and the best life and that was always what I was like that's my role model like I don't want to have kids I don't want to get married like I want this not, life not necessarily getting married mm -hmm. or having kids yeah. but just to have 
a companion, somebody that you, you have by your side, mm. man or woman or just. I mean, you know I definitely I mean? like have like an inkling. I'd like to travel the world with somebody, mm. but I don't even know if I could live with them again. I don't know if I could live with another person. I think I've just gotten so comfortable. I'm slightly mm. on board my, with you. Mm. My, yeah. But we also can feel those things. <clears throat> we don't have to be a partner in that sense. I have an incredible circle of friends, yeah. right? And we right. do lots of things together. Yeah. Uh, maybe not as often as we would all like, but you know, incredible friends that you do spend time with and do fun mm -hmm. things with. And that could be fulfilling. It's different. Mm -hmm. um, but you don't have to, and I get this a lot, especially uh, from a lot of friends that are probably watching this. Um, you know, my birthday just passed. They're like, oh, are you still single again? Right? And those kinds of questions mm -hmm. where I was like, I yeah. am. And it's actually my choice. Yeah. Yeah. I love, like, dating is fun. If yeah. you find, well, that's a different conversation. Yeah. Right, right. Can be fun. Can be um, fun. <laughs> but all of those things are fun. And they're, in a lot of times, from a privileged perspective, by choice. Yeah. Um, but there are so many people in my life that often say, how can you still be mm -hmm. single? Aren't you lonely? Yeah. I'm lonely yeah. when my friends don't want to do something for two also, weeks in a row. Also, I think I'm yeah. too busy yeah. to be lonely. Yeah, I don't right. want to clarify. Honestly. Of course, yeah. like, I'm not really sold on marriage either. Yeah. But I'm just saying to have a or a friend or, a, or just a companion, like yeah. to be, you know, in your life. But I with do you, feel like I have you know? a lot of that. Though. Yeah, yeah, I do feel like I have a very close, like core group of friends. Mm -hmm. I have a group of girlfriends that we always vacation together. You know, so I'm yeah. like, I feel like I'm so busy. That I would make time for somebody, but I certainly don't need it. In the moment, like, things start to be an issue, I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I causing a riff in my world, you know? Like, my world is a perfect bubble until I bring somebody else into it. We also don't need people for sex. True, true. Right? We true. can, of course, do it ourselves, but we can always... You can, I'm having you can have someone of sex. You can have incredible sex and that's all it is. And that's okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like I think there's like old ways of thinking about sex yeah. that get polluted too. And so like promiscuity is a different kind of mm. thing that hangs over people's minds. Women. And <laughs> definitely. <laughs> uh, but some men too, right? So certain communities are known for having lots of sexual true. partners. True, but true, that true. doesn't mean that they're having worse sex, right. bad sex, that they're lonely, that mm -hmm. they need somebody. Right. Why people are doing some of these things. That's maybe a different conversation. And maybe filling that loneliness and emptiness with sex is a kind of different wraparound of that same conversation. Because yeah. that definitely happens as well. Yeah. Um, and so if we're self-aware, maybe that mm -hmm. could be helpful. Yeah. But most people aren't. Right. Yeah. I think, too, because I am having so much sex, having a like a. A uh, same person partner on a regular basis would get really difficult because they'd ask too many questions and I've got this going on. And because I'm worried about my my health of my body, I'd be concerned with like, OK, I'm going to have to do this on this day and then not anything for a week. Like I'm very health conscious with my body because it is my income. So I'm always very concerned of how I stay the healthiest for work, not for my personal life. My personal life comes second to my work always. Really? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. a different conversation yeah. for sure an yeah. important okay. one too yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it is I'm sure it is so I think a thing that we often overlook with men is how they want to be received in a sexual relationship so I think a lot of times we overlook the fact that men want to still be the object of their partner's affection I think a lot of times we look to the men to put the women on a pedestal and not necessarily the opposite and we don't really make the men feel like the priority in a relationship a lot i mean uh definitely i'd say there's probably an 
let's think of a possibility where we're in a relationship and the expectation is that the man always has to initiate sex, mm -hmm. always has to get the other person in the mood, always has to plan it, always has to do all of those pieces, which is probably fine for lots of guys, but not all guys. Right. Right. Sometimes it needs to go the other way. Sometimes you want to be like, hey, I want to tap that. Right. right. And so the on the opposite side. Yeah. Right. And so I think there's there's benefits to flipping the script and yeah. stuff, but there's probably lots of men that aren't comfortable with that either. Of a woman taking charge? Probably not. Yeah. And then there's others that pay for it. That's, That's annoying when you're always expected to take charge. Do you switch the role a lot? Do you do both? I'm pretty much usually in charge. You're always <laughs> the one in charge initiating? Generally. Okay. I feel like I am also. I'm it's a annoying. very big initiator. It is annoying. I agree. <laughs> I am too. So I, it yeah. just, it's exhausting all of the time because even mm -hmm. if you're initiating and they're not in the mood, mm -hmm. it becomes like a, a click, like no, click. Mm no later right and so maybe that's my own methodology like the way i work but i heard a, a this was like on a couple show or something it was like ways to try and spice up their sex life and it i found it very interesting so it, they said if one partner approaches the other for sex and they turn them down the other partner then has 48 hours to initiate nice the sex and i really like that because if you're saying like no not right now mm -hmm. but in the next 48 hours okay it's your turn then because i tried to initiate last so you let sure. me know when you're ready and i thought that was a really cute yeah i think it's a great idea. like deal yeah, yeah. We, had, we had a chart on the refrigerator we did that <laughs> <laughs> we kept track i initiated last and you said no now it's your turn it's 47 I, hours you have one more uh, hour yeah <laughs> if i don't get in one hour there's we're, like the yeah. the hourglass yes. yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. you get initiate or what? No. Well, I, just, I mean, but we also live in a world where even couples aren't talking to each other about sex yeah. at all. Well, right? and I think sometimes when it gets to a point where maybe you've gone so long without it and then it becomes this weird, like, how do we address it now? I yeah. mean, I have one of my best friends talks to me about her sex life all the time. And I know that they're struggling to, like, fit it in, but they have two young children and they both work. And so it's just a lot. But she's this. I, I was the one who told her about that 48-hour thing. Yeah. My girl. 48 hour it, you know, like make it. Well, but it, within that 48 hours, there's soccer practice and right. da -da -da -da, like a long list of things that yeah. you might only have 52 seconds to right. even think about it. Yeah. And we're good, but we're not that fast. Right. <laughs> no one said you had to come. No, I'm just right. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> then getting her off yeah. is definitely, definitely not, not that easy. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Maybe she got that feeling. You never know. So in the same aspect of men wanting to feel like they are desired by their partner, a lot of women uh, feel, I let's not speak for everyone, some women have said that they actually prefer to be desired by their partner over having the orgasm. So just feeling loved and feeling desired is more important to them than having an orgasm itself. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Like, oh, he's so, you know, watching him get excited or even yeah. just coming in the room when there's not even any contact. Oh, that's huge. That only leads up to everything else. You know? Yeah. I can see that. I mean, I definitely still want my orgasm mm -hmm. out of the deal. I wonder in those studies how many women were so used to not having an orgasm right. that that was oh, the option. Right. Because as you had mentioned earlier, we should. Be okay with both, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, but that's also a struggle for a lot of guys. And porn doesn't help when yeah. we're talking about getting a woman off. Uh, and so... Well, we had talked uh, last month when we had Sheree on, and this is big for me, is even if the sex, you know, the sex can be great, but I may not reach an orgasm with the sex, and now he's done, 
I have no problem with you being done having sex with me, but I still want you involved in my orgasm. And maybe that doesn't involve your penis. Maybe that involves me masturbating and you kissing me or touching my neck or caressing me in some way. I still want you involved, even if it's not sexually. I still want to get mine and you're going to be here for it. <laughs> you know, like you're going to be in the room and you're going to watch this happen. All right. <laughs> Sounds so hard right? to do. Sure. Yeah. You'd be surprised. I think I've pissed people off with it before. But but then again, I think their feeling was they were inadequate because they didn't make me sure. come and I needed something else. But in reality, it's not an inadequacy. I still enjoyed the sex. I just wanted more of it. I wasn't done. I have a very healthy sexual appetite. <laughs> <laughs> there, well, there, I mean, there are some men that are uncomfortable with bringing toys in. Oh, of course. Things, right? Yeah. Because it somehow might threaten masculinity right. or their, their penis not being enough and yeah. all of those things. And I think that's a little bit outdated, too. Right? Yeah. Like, bring all the toys. There's toys for men, too. There are. There sure are. All right, guys. I think that's probably going to do it for this episode. Obviously, we all have very different views on what sex and sexuality is. But the main key in this is to communicate, to have that conversation with your person and what sex means to them and what is important to them in sex and what you can walk away with being healthier as a couple or solo. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> masturbation's key, as they say. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Christy, do you want to tell the people where they can find you? Uh, ChristyMcHugh.com. You can see there. And on Instagram, Christy McHugh, comedian. And my phone number. Just <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Christy. Dr. Eddie, thank you, as always, for your public health perspective and all the research you do for the show. We really appreciate you. All right, guys. Until next time. Adios. Thank <laughs> you.